0: She's a business mogul, number one, and wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and we are excited to have Shanna Husson of Fast to Heal and she is a specialist in intermittent fasting, but she's also a nutritionist. So welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, I am a registered dietitian. I've been in the nutrition field for over 20 years. So it's been a long time, but a lot of changes in the way I I approach nutrition from when I started out in the field up until now. Um, mainly in the last couple of years that I've done pretty much a 180 from what I used to teach. I used to teach a lot of the standard guidelines with, you know, that's how dietitians are, are trained is in the conventional system and in the con- with the conventional nutrition methods. And after about 10 years of that and not seeing a lot of success or progress with clients and then starting to question some of my own, health issues that I was having um, and kind of putting two and two together with the standard guidelines not really benefiting me or a lot of the people that I was working with. Um, I discovered intermittent fasting a couple of years ago, and of course, I was very resistant to it when I first started to learn about it, but I've implemented that along with a lot of different ways in how I approach nutritional therapy with my clients. And they've seen a lot of success in the last couple of years. So very, very happy and excited about that.
1: So tell us a little bit about kind of what a typical day looks like for you. So what is your fasting window look like? And give us some things that you kind of eat on a regular basis that you love to eat when you are in your window where it makes you feel like a million bucks.
0: Yeah. um, Again, I've I've done a lot of tweaking with that. Um, I would say about... Ten years ago or so, I started to have. Well, actually, probably more like twenty years ago, I started to have um, some digestive issues with bloating. Um, I, if I ate any type of grain, which I thought was really healthy for me, of course, in the morning, I used to eat oatmeal almost every day, that or like a whole grain, because you know, we were supposed to eat whole grains, whole grain bagel with peanut butter, something along those lines. And by lunchtime, I was ready to bust out of my pants. <laughs> I, was, I was so bloated. So um, I've I've taken a lot of grains out, but it took me a long time to get to that point to know that I wasn't digesting them well. Um, so I, I, I eat grain-free most days I do incorporate a little bit of rice here and there. I tolerate that okay. And um, uh, some beans, some dry beans, if I make sure that they're soaked and drained properly, and I can usually tolerate those pretty well too. But I stick to, um, for a long time, I follow kind of like a paleo type diet um, I wasn't ever perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I don't have treats here and there because I, obviously I do, I eat dark chocolate pretty much every day, um, after most meals, but with me sticking to more of, um, a higher protein, higher fat diet, um, and being really selective about the carbohydrates that I eat. I don't, I don't count my carbohydrates because I don't feel like, um, that's something that I want to focus on, but I am very selective in the ones that I do eat. Um, so I will eat vegetables that are intact that haven't been processed and some fruit. I eat nuts. Um, those are the, the carbohydrates that I stick to. I try to stay away from processed food not just because I, do, I know how I feel if I eat it. And a lot of times people will say to me, well, how, how do you have so much willpower. You know, that's one of the the phrases that people like to say, but for me, it's not about willpower at all. Um, when I eat higher fat, higher protein, I don't have the cravings that I used to have. And I know how I'm going to feel if I incorporate those foods. And for me, it's just not worth it. So, um, for the short-term benefit of how things might taste for a few minutes, the, the, um, drawback that I see hours later, it's just not worth it for me. So my typical day would be, um, I usually fast anywhere between 18 and 20 hours, because that just, I feel really well when I do that. Um, I almost always push my eating time or my window back until like, early afternoon to late afternoon, though that's what works well for me. And if I'm gonna do a 24 hour fast, which is at least once a week, if not more often, sometimes two or three times a week, I will go lunch to lunch because that just works better for me. I have more trouble waiting until later in the day um, to prolong my fast. I, I do better when I eat a little bit earlier, like maybe around one or so. I don't have any trouble not eating dinner because usually I've eaten such filling foods that I'm not even really hungry. And um, we have three kids in our household and they usually have activities going on now that that the restrictions have lifted, which has been awesome. They usually have things going on at night. And so I just choose not not to have a meal anyway because I'm not really hungry. Um, So most days I'm fasting between 18 and 20 hours and then I'll throw a 24 hour in at least once or twice a week. Every probably two weeks to at least monthly, I'll throw like a 42 hour fast, sometimes a 48 hour fast. I just feel like that kind of resets my gut. Like if I do start to see some bloating going on again, that's enough to just kind of get rid of that. And I feel really well after I do like a 42 to 48. Um, I don't do a lot of extended fasts past that. I have done a couple of three-day fasts, Um, but for me, my goals are different than a lot of other people. And so that's what works well. And then usually on the weekend, Usually on Sunday, I'll open my window earlier and I'll have like my feast day that day so that I'm not always eating at the same time of the day. And um, I teach my clients this all the time too. like changing things up is so critical for long term success. We can't just feed our bodies at the exact same time every single day because, you know, our bodies will, will come to expect food at that same time. Um, and then, you know, I've had some clients even with OMAD or one meal a day who long-term can start to run into trouble with that just because they're doing the exact same thing all the time and, you know, eating, eating the same things all the time. Um, but to answer your question about what I typically eat, I usually, I make sure, and this is what I teach my clients and it's really simplistic and, um, it works well for me and for most people, you know, I I really try to keep processed food minimal. And then I always make sure I'm picking some sort of healthy fat, if not two healthy fats at each meal, um, some sort of natural protein, and then some sort of intact carbohydrate that hasn't been processed. And if I can get those foods in, um that works really well. And some of my favorite go-to's are like, um, canned salmon or canned tuna that has been, um, that hasn't been farmed. I'll mix that with some mayo and celery. And, um, I like, we have our own chickens here. So I eat a lot of eggs and and then I just kind of fill in from there with fruits and vegetables, but those are some of my favorite go-to's. Hey guys, I'm so
1: excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting, is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audiobook for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at chantalrayway.com, and you'll get the audiobook right away. Awesome. So let's talk about one of the things that I hear people saying all the time is they feel like they're just constantly craving sweet foods and craving grains. So let's talk about a little bit of mindset of how to get your appetite to be a more natural appetite control and also to eliminate those sweet cravings and what you're doing mentally to being able to say, you know, even though I am craving something sweet, what are you doing to kind of do that self-talk to get rid of that pattern?
0: Yeah, food cravings and sugar and carbohydrate cravings are very, very real. Sometimes some professionals will discount food cravings as being not an actual thing. And oh my goodness. I mean, I think sugar is just as addictive as as any drug out there. But when I work with clients who are very carbohydrate addicted or very sugar addicted, that's telling me, even if they're not overweight or or haven't been very ill for a long time, like that's telling me you're not metabolizing carbohydrates well. Like the things that you crave are usually the things that you aren't meta. Symbolically handling very well. Um, so what I do, I don't like to put a lot of restrictions on anybody. Um, because what I teach is really to, to balance fasting and feasting to find nutritional peace, meaning like, you know, what, what makes you feel good. Um, you know, what, what your body runs on optimally and to get there, sometimes it, it is necessary to have a little bit of restriction for a little while. Um, So what I usually do if people are really struggling with carbohydrate addiction, yes, it's a mindset first and foremost, like you have to be in a place where you say, okay, hey, like I've been dealing with this for a long time. I recognize it, I'm ready to do something about it. Um, But what I find works really, really well if people are really struggling to get rid of addiction, or um, to move into an intermittent fasting lifestyle because they can't go more than a few hours without eating. I mean, obviously they're sugar burners and we need to try to transition them to being more of a fat burner um, is to, we'll start with restricting carbohydrates to, I don't know, maybe under hundred or under 50, but not for a really long time. It's just to get those cravings under control because when you restrict the carbohydrates for a time, and increase the protein and fat, then um, you see that you see those um, those cravings start to diminish. Another method that I teach and I recommend for clients who work with me who have really severe addiction um, is either. And they're not ready to, to jump into a longer fast because longer fast will definitely help with that. But I actually focus on fat fasting also for those who are really having trouble. And what we do is just for like two or three days, we go and we eat foods that are almost all exclusively natural fat, high foods, high fat foods. And they're foods that people like that's like you know, avocado and bacon and eggs, butter. You can have some leafy greens with that coconut oil, those types of foods. It's almost all exclusively fat. And what that does is it really just takes those cravings away completely because you're, you're getting rid of all of your glycogen stores and your carbohydrate stores, and it's forcing your body to burn fat. So if you can do that for a couple of days, it helps you really transition into fat burning and into an intermittent fasting lifestyle um, because it just it kind of forcing your body to to go into fat burning. Um, So it's not so, so much mindset, but that's more, that will help more with the actual physiology and the physical component of getting rid of the cravings, because, you know, that's probably one of the number one roadblocks that I have with clients and them wanting to be successful is just, is, you know, getting past the cravings initially. But with a fat fast, you can break that cycle pretty quickly within a couple of days. So I have seen that as a very powerful therapy um, with a lot of clients.
1: I love that. So let's talk about how to make a 24 hour fast easier. So I think I love that, you know, I try to do a 24 hour fast every single week and if i really am kind of taking it to the next level i love to add a 48 hour fast into my routine. so i want you to talk about both of those like kind of what what does that look like for you for the 24 hour fast and then also adding in either that 42 to 48 hour fast and what do you do to kind of keep busy so you're not thinking about food and not feeling like this is excruciating?
0: right? I know. Um, so 24 hour fast, you know, I've done them so regularly and a lot, I do have a support group. Um, and so I always tell people, if you're doing your first 24 hour or 48 hour fast, like pop that into our support group, or, you know, if, if they're in your support group, whatever support you have, pop it into there and just tell everyone that you're doing it. And even if you, you know, you don't, you come up short, it's okay. But usually somebody like and I still do that. Like if I'm going to do a 48 hour fast or anything longer, I say, Hey, I'm doing this fast. Does anybody want to do it with me? Mm. And even if it's just one or two other people, like knowing there's somebody else out there is so important. And I think just having that extra support is just is is so beneficial so that's one thing that i recommend um obviously staying hydrated especially if you're doing a 48 hour fast if i do anything past 24 36 ish um i usually will drink a little pickle juice and i make my own pickles so i know that there's nothing added to that but when i especially if i'm doing two or three day fast i drink at least a cup of pickle juice every day that I'm fasting, um, that, or you could just, you use like a teaspoon of Redmond salt, something along those lines. But if you don't keep your electrolytes, your, you know, your sodium levels up, you're going to get a headache. You're going to, you know, you're Things are going to go downhill pretty quickly and you're not going to want to continue the fast. So hydration is super important. Um, and I, I've learned the hard way with a couple of longer fasts that I've done, I used to be a complete diet soda addict. Um, Coke Zero, Diet Coke were my favorites. And I don't have them in the house even to this day because they will just tempt me. I wish that I could say I hate diet <laughs> like diet soda at this point. Um, but if it's there, I, I will be tempted to drink it. So I cannot have it in my house. Um, but the first couple of longer fasts that I did, I would be like, okay, I'm just gonna have a diet soda on day two because... I need to get through this fast it will make it, you know, have something to look forward to. And that was bad. Like I, I could immediately tell it made me feel hungry. Um, I almost felt like a little bit nauseous from the caffeine and a little bit headachey. So I, I quickly learned not, not to do that again. Um, so hydration support electrolytes. And then another thing that I have my clients do when they work to get, work with me individually. And then I run some online challenges and programs is come up with a list of things that you can do during a longer fast or even a 24 hour fast. Like maybe you list 10 or 20 things that you keep special for just that time that you're fasting. So maybe you catch up on some magazines that you never have time to, read or you call a special friend that you don't have time to catch up with or you don't make time or you know you maybe you binge watch a couple of episodes of whatever you love on Netflix just to get you through some of those harder times um, where you're feeling hungry and I know for me like I said my my toughest time if I'm doing a 24 hour fast or a 48 hour fast my toughest time is always when I typically break my fast for me, it's usually between noon and two. And if I can wait that out, I usually don't have much of a problem making it through the rest of the time. Um, and then picking a day where you're busy, but not super physically active. And, and that's another thing that I've learned is that um, if I'm doing a longer fast, some some I run like a couple of days a week, I walk um, and I strength train. And when I'm in a longer fast, I try to stick to just the walking during that time because you don't want to do a lot of physical activity, a lot of hard workouts that's going to stimulate your appetite. So save those for when you're not, or you can do your exercise right before you're going to break your fast and um, replenish your muscles after they've worked. But um, yeah, those are a couple of tricks that I've learned along the way.
1: Hey guys, I'd love for you guys to listen to a podcast that we did about the side effects from wine and the differences between natural wine and traditional wine. So go to ChantelRayway.com wine, and you'll see transcripts, you'll see some different episodes, but here's the thing. You can get your penny bottle now of dry farm wines and make the decision that if you're going to have wine to make sure you have the most natural, healthy wine in the world with no additives. Additives, only natural ingredients. All the other wines out there have so much sulfate, so much sugar. Why put that poison in your body? So get your penny bottle now at chantelrayway.com slash wine. So tell us how do you make your homemade pickle juice? <laughs>
0: I actually, I can pickles, my mom and my grandma, my grandma's still alive. Um, I think she's like 95, she's amazing. Um, But they come over in August and we can our own pickles. So all we do is, and honestly, I don't know the recipe that well because my grandma's been doing it for so long that she just kind of takes over, but they bring their bushel of pickles over and they, bring their salt and they it's just salt and pickling um, like a pickling seasoning mix and then they make the brine and and that's all we do and so and they last me throughout the year so I always drink pickle juice from there but if you don't have your own homemade pickle juice um, I always make sure that there's no artificial colors added to your pickles and that there's no sweetener added and then you can usually do fine with with just a store-bought pickles
1: So, you know, one of the things that we have to remember, there was a study that I read and they were talking about autophagy and they were talking about how if you look at the level of autophagy that happens in the liver and the brain, that after 24 hours of fasting, that the the level of autophagy increased 300% after 24 hours. 300% after 24 hours of fasting, and then a, f- a further 30% more after 48 hours of fasting. And so it just goes to looking at the, if you look at just the studies that they can do of what happens, you know, after the 24 hour mark, after the 36 hour mark, after the 48 hour mark, it's really, just almost like magic that happens in your body. And so if you can kind of put that into your mind of like how good this is for you, then you kind of can, it, it just makes you kind of be able to go a little longer in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. And I I think about that too when I'm fasting and I get to a hunger point. I'm like, because I love, I don't know if you've seen, some of those timelines, like you were just saying, like where you'll see, mm-hmm. oh, at this many hours, this is happening. And at this many hours, this is happening. And yeah, that 36 to 48 hour mark is really critical for autophagy, just booming. And another thing that I've seen, <clears throat> and when I work with clients with extended fasting, um, from what I have seen, like human growth hormone and, and other um, hormone changes don't really they peak at like day five I think it is and they don't really go anywhere after that so um, when I'm working with someone I just say let's do like five to seven days is the longest um, because you don't see a whole lot of health benefit um, and then if somebody wants to go past seven days I always make sure they're monitored by a doctor or a health professional of some sort just just to make sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and if you guys are listening, I'd love for you guys to listen to, we did an entire episode on what are the best days to fast with Dr. Mindy Pels, and that is absolutely crucial. So if you still have a menstrual cycle, if you're a woman, the only days that I believe that you should be fasting... um, on even a 24, like I don't do a 24-hour fast, a 48-hour fast, or a 36, unless it's those specific days. And we go through that in detail in that podcast under Dr. Mindy Pels. So I really highly encourage you to look at that. Are there any days for you that you say, you know, do you kind of look at your your cycle of what days, hey, I'm not going to fast?
0: i do and i follow dr mindy as well i love her um and she's got a lot of great information especially with hormonal health but i and i i outline this in my book there's a section called special considerations for women and that is what i teach as well It's like if you want to do a longer fast either either do it the week after your menstrual cycle or the week after that when progesterone is lower because in weeks three and four the week prior to your cycle or the week of your cycle it's going to be hard to do extended fasts and your body is wanting more carbohydrates at that time to support the the hormones changing so yes that's when and when people work with me individually that's right on their intake form about their menstrual cycles and so I know you know kind of where they're at and when to throw some longer fast. I still like if I, if I'm, um, the week before the week of, I still might throw a 24 hour in there only if I'm not feeling hungry, but, um, I'm really careful then to make sure I have a feast day later in the week with higher carbohydrate intake as well. And when I'm working with somebody individually, um, Even if they're on a a lower carbohydrate restriction for a while to help reverse insulin resistance, I will have them either throw in one week out of the month where they're higher carbohydrate or one day a week where they're higher carbohydrate just to get that carbohydrate cycling with some healthy carbohydrate options um, throughout their month for sure.
1: Hey guys, I really want you to join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. We're doing tons of giveaways right now for posting your before and after pictures and just for posting a question in there. We're giving away free protein shakes, some Digest Aid, all kinds of fun stuff. So please join our Intermittent Fasting and OMAD Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Yeah, and it's funny because like this morning, I actually ate breakfast this morning, like around nine o'clock this morning, I ate my lunch that I brought in for my lunch because I was so hungry. And I was like, I could hear my stomach growling. And I was like, you know what, today I'm changing it up. And so I think, you know, just really kind of being okay with that. I think that some people just get so dogmatic with it, with things and they're like, you know, I I probably haven't had breakfast in months and months, but that's okay. Like today, I just made the decision. I'm just going to have probably breakfast and lunch today. And then I'm not going to have dinner tonight. But that's just, you know, my husband's out of town. So I know I don't really need to eat. I'll make something for my son. And so it's a a perfect day to kind of change things up. So talk a little bit about that, you know, of what are some things that you do to change things up?
0: Yeah, I I do the exact same thing. Um, And I I was getting into too much of a pattern like you said like just getting too dogmatic about it like okay Sunday's gonna be my feast day and Thursday's gonna be my 24-hour fast day Um, and I think that when you're early on in intermittent fasting that can be important and um, when your hormones are still out of balance and um, after a couple of weeks I usually have people throw in like what's what I consider a challenge day. So, you know, if they're having trouble going from like 18 hours to maybe 20 or 22 hours, just pick one day that you're going to be busy and try to throw that in. Um, But I've been really careful about trying to listen to my actual cues more than I used to. And I think that that comes with time um, because I used to eat, two meals most days, no matter what. Like okay, I'm just eating because my family's eating. where now it's like no, it's like five o'clock. I'm still really full from my lunch. Like I do not need to eat again and that's okay. Or like you said, sometimes there's some mornings where I'm like, gosh, I just I feel low energy. I'm like hungry because there's one thing to be like a little bit hungry, but then, you know, like you said, with your stomach growling and just if you're feeling weak or, you know, you just know it's going to be a tough fasting day. There's, you know, there's, you're not going to get a ribbon if you wait until three, three o'clock that day to eat. I mean, if you're, feeling like you should eat, then you should eat. Um, yeah. And, and usually within a couple of months, for sure, like people know the difference between I'm feeling a little hungry or I'm a little bored versus I really need to eat like you were feeling this morning.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being with us on the show today. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you.
0: Yeah, my website is called um, fasttoheal.info and all my programs are housed there. Um, my book is called Fast to Heal as well. That's available on Amazon in paperback and on Kindle versions. And the digital version is at fasttoheal.info. Um, my Facebook support group is called Fast to Heal Nutrition Support. And um, I I monitor that myself. and um, my podcast is called fast to heal stories. So that's all about people who've gone through my programs or implemented the intermittent fasting lifestyle and done well and, and sharing their stories. So other can, others can be inspired by them and adapt the lifestyle as well.
1: Awesome. Well, you guys stay tuned. We've got another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now.